Hello, listeners. Welcome to our mini series, World Building in Action. I am Donna. Here with me is Rianne, as always, and Andrew from Craftfitter Books. And I'm so excited for today's session. We are tackling culture, everybody's favorite part of world building. And I'm ready. I'm ready. I've been waiting for this. Well, How at least one of us is. <laughs> How, Rianne's like, I've had just about enough of Andrew's nitpicking of uh, <laughs> the ideas that we come up with. Um, just stop making it so hard. <laughs> not hard. It is hard, but it's fun too. So yeah, we're going to be doing culture. What culture would you like to focus on for our time together today? I'm not sure. I feel like maybe we should go with maybe one that we don't really have a feel for as yet. I think we should go with one of the non-human cultures because A, that's more interesting and fun. And B, the the human cultures are all more they're not the same obviously they've got different political systems and everything but i mean that's that's, that's not as interesting not as fun as doing a non-human society that's entirely yeah, fair so so which one this is the question let's go with the stress the lizard people because we haven't really spoken much about what we think their culture will look like somehow i knew you would pick them <laughs> really <laughs> Literally okay. sat here like she's either gonna say Tadal or she'll say Tadal we've spoke about a lot and then she'll pick the lizard people. <laughs> well, I mean you joked off air that you were a magician, maybe you are. Stop revealing my secrets. <laughs> <laughs> or maybe she maybe she just knows me that well. It's possible too. Yeah, I was gonna say that's probably more like it. <laughs> so the very first thing that we're going to do with culture is going to be really fun for the Strauss, I think. And that's art. And when thinking about art, think about like, what does the society value? What's considered beautiful? What artistic skills are valued and why? How do the materials and other resources that they have on hand influence the type of art that they produce? And do they have any cool monuments? Because there's lots of different kinds of art, right? There's audible mm. art, such as music, song, or poetry. There's visual art, such as sculpture, painting, dance, books. Or there's culinary art, or art forms that engage other senses. You can get creative. Mm. I, I'm actually in this mindset because I just did a bit of work on my art for, for my fantasy race this week. So um, I'm already like in the mind space. And just for a refresher for our listeners and for us, um, you were talking about what resources they have, et cetera, et cetera. The SRAS export trade was uh, gemstones and magical plants are their, their main exports. And then we were talking about there being other various minerals um, within their mountains. Rianne and I settled also, I don't know if this is in the notes, but we settled on that they have a, a vast network of tunnels in the mountains that are in their kingdom, or at least on the border over there. And then, of course, the other notable natural feature in their kingdom is the whirlpools in that little canal area in the north. 
I don't think there's anything else really of note that we've said about them in terms of what could influence their art. I think all we've said about them is they are lizard people. Yeah. <laughs> well. So a blank slate. Pretty much. And not yeah. amphibious. Oh, and they're also a guild state. I don't know if that would will figure in at some stage. So if they have lots of gemstones, it's possible mm. that they may do art with them. Or I guess it depends on what they think about the gemstones that they have a lot of. That is a good point. Do they value them the same way that human countries do? I would say they did if they were exporting them and selling them. Well, but that's because there's demand for the gemstones from outside so it could be it's know. like yeah sure have our colorful rocks we don't care <laughs> or it could be like yeah these are super valuable I, I want them to to have value i want them to see value in the gemstones because i think it would it would make for an interesting if if we're talking about the natural resources the magic plants and the gemstones i feel like those two in conjunction could make for some very interesting art some yes more. i agree Oh, maybe diamond-encrusted pot plants. Hard pass. Pardon, Ria? Hard pass. No, hard pass. Oh, hard pass. Is that what she said? Okay, sorry. I, I, I missed that for a second. Oh, but maybe what about- they use the gemstones and crush them down into a powder, which makes the paint. Oh, that's interesting. Gemstone paint. What do they paint? with this paint do they just paint pictures or do they paint is it like body like gemstone body paint well now i want both (laughs) okay and where do they paint pictures do they paint it on like paper on easels or is it like cave art oh Oh. sorry (laughs) oh i'm sorry that was intense as andrew was talking for our listeners my arms were flailing around and because rianne was talking about the gemstone paint and then as soon as Andrew started talking, glittery cave paintings, fluorescent and or slash glittery cave paintings. How do we feel about that? Pretty great. Personally. Yes, because they obviously have the tunnels that go to the human land. Yeah, that's what I'm thinking. Like that, it, it could be like a vast kind of thinking like this, like the Khoisan here in South Africa or like the, the indigenous people, the Aborigines in in Australia, I think it would, that's, oh, I've always liked the idea of like cave paintings and, and that kind of, because it's almost like more permanent than any other kind of art in a way, because it's like literally on the rocks. So I, I really like that idea. So they have yes. gem, sparkly gemstone paint that they use yes. to paint these cave paintings. Are they like rudimentary yeah. cave paintings or like they more like murals? Oh, I kind of feel... Or has there been, like, an evolution over the course of their history? I mean, yeah, I, th- I think an evolution would be the most realistic. Maybe mm-hmm. maybe the older, the, the, the deeper caves hold, like, more um, rudimentary um, paintings. And then, like, obviously the closer to this, like, the outside you get, like, the, the nicer they are. Or the, the more advanced, rather. Yeah, that makes sense. Yeah. Awesome. Hey. So that pretty much takes care of visual art. Do they have any other kinds of art that they employ? Any kind of music or song or poetry or storytelling? Okay. Hear me out. Magical bonsai trees. What? Say more. <laughs> <laughs> oh my 
Okay, so think about it. They've got uh, obviously a surplus of magical plants since they're exporting them. So uh, I love bonsais, always have. Never been able to grow one myself. My dad tried at one stage when I was younger. He had some semi-success with it, but I've, I've, I love them. I think they're beautiful. And so I'm thinking the concept of a bonsai tree or like or like a little like miniature bonsai forest just with magical plants. So that, like a terrarium of miniature magical plants. Are we adding this to the map as a Sras-specific tourist trap? They're we could. cultivated miniature bonsai forest. <laughs> magical bonsai forest. I was thinking like, something that like an individual would work on so like the the size of like a i wanted to say beer box but i don't you guys get beers on a ring on rings there like you get like a ream of paper mm -hmm. so like a box that's like that size like a fish tank and maybe they do get bigger maybe there is like a massive one that's been worked on by various people over years and years and years that might be quite fun what if they have a tradition where every time a new household is founded, that household is given one of these magical bonsai plants and oh. that they cultivate and it grows with them as their family grows. Oh, I really like that idea. What do you think, Ben? Yes, that is a very good idea. Let me write down magical bonsai trees. <laughs> <laughs> that way I it's think... not just an art form, but it's reflecting their yeah. values around family and kind of shared work. Um, yeah, I, I really love that. And it, it's also partially influenced by what I'm reading at the moment, which uh, for your information, Andrew, is um, from Storm and Shadow by Rachel Morgan. And now her fairy world, the the plants that she has in her fairy world are just like the descriptions are beautiful and like they're weird and wacky, like blue leaves and tangerine grass kind of thing but the way she describes them is always so beautiful and magical and so um, my mind is caught on magical plants at the moment and I just thought that it would be a nice addition yeah well and I can share a resource with you all uh, shout out to Anna Urbanik's uh, herbalists primer and um, this is Ooh. a delightful resource it goes through pretty much any anything you need to know as an herbalist uh, but for every plant entry, there is culinary properties, medicinal properties, and magical properties. <gasps> I um, need to get my hands on that. And there's a table in the back of the, a series of tables in the back of the book that you can use to create your own magical plants, which is remarkable and I think would be really helpful for you guys in determining what kinds of magical plants the Sras grow and yes. are selling. Yes, I want it. <laughs> um, Just send it through the screen, Andrew, please. <laughs> yeah, the the um the publishing company is Exalted Funeral. Oh, okay. So you can get it on their website. Okay. <laughs> no, yeah, I am we'll... not getting paid to advertise this. I just really like this resource because <laughs> it's super that's, cool. That's all good. <laughs> That's all good. I'll, I will find a link and I'll put it in the show notes for our listeners who are interested. Because, um, yeah, that sounds very, very uh, useful. Yes. Oh, absolutely. It's, um, it's one mm. of those wonderful world building resources I recently got my hand on and my hands on and have absolutely loved going through it. For sure. Okay. I think that 
more or less covers visual art. Should we talk about music? I mean, I think they art? would they they would have their own version of music, but I mm. I always envisioned them of like if they were gonna have like bards and stuff, that would be after they've met the humans. Mm. Mm. Well, and what kinds I'm, I'm of think- music might they employ naturally without human influence? Would it be more kind of drums? Yeah, I was drums, thinking more the drums banging drums. in the deep kind of a thing. Yeah. Um, I'm thinking like drums echoing through the, the caverns that they have and like a real like hearty, like more percussion instruments than yeah, like say flutes and harps, right. that kind of thing. Yeah. Yeah. Less melodic instruments Ooh. and more percussion. Yeah, has a what is that? I can't see. Really. Ah, there we go. Yeah. It's an that Irish drum. Good. That sounds, I like that idea. I don't know why I randomly have one of those. It used to hang (laughs) up on my wall and the pin for it's gone. So now it's just on my desk. (laughs) (laughs) Awesome. So kind of rhythmic, less less singing and melodic, more rhythmic uh, percussion Mm -hmm. music. I think that's probably good for art, for our sras, our lizard people. The next category that I want to talk about that, might take up a good amount of time is customs. Now, customs are, if everyone wants the dictionary definition, a traditional and widely accepted way of doing something that is specific to a particular society, place, or time. Now, you know, I have the customs broken down into several categories, pleasantries, taboos, milestones, and yearly rhythms. So, we're going to start with pleasantries because that's a good place to start. So this is yeah. just how do people greet each other and say goodbye, both formally and informally. Given the nature of their music, I kind of feel like some sort of chest thumping would be involved. Yeah, maybe for the men. Could just be like a, a single hand salute oh, yeah. kind of a thing. Arm across the chest. Yeah, so a single fuss. Yeah. yeah okay. So a single, like single hand across and a thump on the side of the chest all right so is that the formal or informal way of greeting somebody i would say formal. Um, yeah that seems yeah that seems formal it seems solemn in a way doesn't it informal hellos informal hellos yes. maybe just hello <laughs> boring hello how are you <laughs> But uh, do they have, I assume they have their own language. Yeah, do they? Yeah, they're still going to say hello in whatever language they have. Are they? Yeah. Yes. Why? Because I decided so. (laughs) It is my and Donna's world, and I can do what I like. That's true. But pleasantries are actually really informed by, by, again, what a society values. For example... If you're saying hello to somebody, there's a possibility, depending on your culture, that you formally might say, salutations, good sir. It's very nice to meet you today. On this day, may the sun shine upon you the rest of your life. For example, of uh, if, if, again, there's some sort of really significant importance placed on the sun and the role that the sun plays in culture mm-hmm. and stuff like that. Would um, you like a, 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 an example from from my section yes. I can give to Rian. So the mirror ends here, if I can get there through my myriad of folders. 
So the standard version, so the formal version of my greeting is a touch to the forehead, the lips, the upper sternum, and then the lower sternum. And the verbal greeting is may life be your center and your center be life because they very focused on life giving power and and that kind of thing and the four touches represent represent the four tribes and then the abbreviated version which is the most used is a touch to the forehead to the lips and the verbal greeting is remain life center so it's it's very kind of focused on life and unity and just raw life-giving power that's kind of the dominant religion is very much all about that a more real world example is in southern california a formal greeting would be shaking someone's hand and an informal greeting would be giving them a hug there we go so you just hug strangers yes (laughs) you don't know who these people are they might be like serial killers yeah. I'm sorry to say this. You sound very, very British right now. <laughs> because I hug strangers too. Yeah. Yeah. The 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 uh southwestern American space bubble is much smaller than um than the, the British personal space bubble. <laughs> I'm literally shocked. <laughs> so like, I don't want anyone in my personal space unless I know them. Yeah. No, I mean to be fair, like generally, if if I'm hugging someone as a as a greeting, it is someone I've met, met at least once before, or if it's like a friend of a friend, somebody who I uh, have heard of, but like just a stranger in the street, no, I wouldn't. But you know, in that kind of context, where it's as I said, a friend of a friend, or yeah. Now, <clears throat> in Southern California to flip this around, you might formally greet somebody because you're meeting them for the first time. Um, but then after you have shared a conversation with them, you would give them a hug as a goodbye. Because that now makes you're, sense. Now you're that makes familiar. sense. But like randomly hugging people when you first meet them is just strange. <laughs> <laughs> That's entirely fair. Um, and you're entitled it, to that it, I mean, yes. As, <clears throat> as you said, the the, the the personal space bubble is much uh, smaller, I think. I mean, there's <laughs> there's all kinds of societal rules that dictate when a situation is formal and when a situation is informal as well. Mm-hmm. But just as that is true for real world scenarios, it is also going to be true for the stress. Um, and it's going to mm-hmm. be true usually in different ways for the stress. Yeah. So who is... I don't is- think... I don't think I should take part in this because I literally just say hello to people. Like, that is how I greet somebody. Hello. How are you? Like, that is normal. Totally. That's super Western. Good job. (laughs) (laughs) And, uh, And again, an informal greeting. And it might be different. Again, formal greetings may only be used between stress. And Strauss mm. may have a different way of interacting with people that aren't a part of their culture. I think it would be a good um, thing to point out at this present time that they are a guild state. Mm-hmm. So I think in terms of what we what they value, which we haven't really established in a way, um, and partly is that obviously strength would be valued in their in their society and physical strength as well as unity 
because mm -hmm. the guild mentality is that of unity, in my opinion. I think that's fair. It depends if they have different guilds. But even if they have different guilds, the understanding is mm. that at the basis of their society is this concept of the guild. Yeah, um, and belonging to a, a group. Even if you belong to different groups. So, all of that to say, informally, you can have people just say hello. That's fine. I can definitely see them interacting with humans that way, as a way of adopting human culture. There may be something more shorthand to the arm across the chest and thump salute kind of a thing. Maybe they just, maybe a more informal way of greeting people is to... Nod. Nod. Yeah, I mean, there's so <laughs> many. It depends on how verbal of a culture the Strauss are, or if their body language is really important, or all of these things factor in. I, I get the vibes that they are like a people of few words, but more... Uh, solemn and serious and so an an informal nod as a yeah. salutation what about uh what about saying goodbye rianne's raising her hand and waving maybe with with the formal maybe hello with right hand and goodbye with left same same but different yeah <laughs> not very imaginative but there we are <laughs> <laughs> you're being put on the spot uh what about um informal just the mm. nod again. Do they have tails? Yes. So yes. Maybe yes, a tail, do. a tail thump. Yeah, that's quite cool, actually. I like the idea of that. What do you think, Rianne? A tail, a tail thump on the ground. I mean, I'm not allowed to just be normal, so yes. They're lizard people. They're not normal. <laughs> <laughs> that's the whole point. <laughs> and if they have an extra appendage, they might as well use it. Yeah, in a bottle to like smack someone around the face with. Yeah, they might do that too. <laughs> But if it's well, as you know, normal, to help them balance. Yeah. And if it's as normal as an appendage as you having a hand, they're going to do normal things with it too. <laughs> I don't see my cats doing anything normal with their tails. Apart from it just is there and it wags. Cats do Your all cats kinds of things wag. with their tails to communicate. Yeah? Have you never seen a cat's tail wag? Not like... More like swish like swish. Yeah, I mean, like it's not as it's not as accented as a dog, but yeah. When they're really. playing, they, they use tails for balance. They use tails yeah. to tell you if they're happy or not. They use mm. tails to indicate that they're annoyed and they want you out of mm. their face. They they do all kinds of body language with their tails. <laughs> yeah, but they don't. But but like. But those are all what? forms of communication. Yes, is, is my point. I know. <laughs> but my point is, they don't like. Hit them on the ground to say goodbye. They're not lizard people. <laughs> <laughs> They're not the bipedal tail. lizard people. They're quadrupeds. The tail is positioned. Of course they don't hit the ground with their tails. Oh, now I have a very distinct visual of my, my cat thumping the ground with her tail. <laughs> That's lovely. Listen, the Khajiit and Skyrim don't do it. That you have your I pleasantries. Think... <laughs> <laughs> I think we need to move forward. <laughs> the yes. opposite of pleasantries. Taboos. Don't touch the tail. Oh, that's a good one. So what would be considered yeah. rude or even forbidden in Strauss culture? What shouldn't people do? A nice way, a fun way of thinking about this is when humans first met the Strauss, what are some things that humans did that really offended them? Like, ooh, I love your tail. Uh, well, yeah. I, see, I would say they'd probably like stand on it. Because yes. they wouldn't be used to the fact that there's an extra yeah. appendage behind them. Or maybe they just hugged him when they met. <laughs> <laughs> and they're like, whoa, 
Sir intimate dude. Space. <laughs> Space. <laughs> Maybe hugging is a taboo. I think I feel like it would be very an intimate thing to do because we've said that they they place quite a lot of emphasis on body language so i feel like be, being that close to another person would be a very intimate thing so not something that you do with strangers and probably not something you do with people outside of your family yeah what do you think literally like, not yeah everybody. that's normal what do you <laughs> <laughs> everyone rihanna's a strass we'd like um <laughs> <laughs> don't touch her tail she'll get real mad cultural um, taboos lying yeah how do they take care of the dead and doing something other than that might be considered a taboo i mean doing anything with the dead other than burying them is considered taboo in most cultures <laughs> well That's except true. for some cultures burying the dead is a taboo well you're yeah. right yeah, yeah, you're right. Actually, yeah, a while back, mm. I watched a documentary. Yeah, no. Because for some people, you have to burn them mm. in order to help them get where they're going. I feel like there would be some kind of procession through their tunnels. I know the tunnels are very central, but I feel like they would be central for this culture, seeing as they took the time to dig them throughout the entire mountain range. Are there are there like catacombs within the within the mountains then, like where the bet mm. where the dead are? interred yeah that would fill up very quickly so i feel like they would burn them and then they just have a pile of ash stored somewhere (laughs) maybe in the tunnels (laughs) oh or they mix the ashes of the dead with the ground up gemstones and immortalize them in their cave paintings yes yes Let's do that. I like that. So then, because we're talking about taboos, the taboo would be to not do that for yeah. your parents or family member if they died. Maybe maybe burying them instead of cremating them would be an issue as well. Mm-hmm. Probably an insult of some sort. So all the bad people just get thrown into the sea. Into the whirlpools. Oh. You don't get to be immortalized because you went round and murdered five people. Goodbye. Yeah. Okay, I like that. Yeah. So, th- so the nasties get tossed into the whirlpools. I like that. <laughs> Very good. What's the next? The next the step next... take us a little bit longer. Cultural milestones. So these are key points in an individual's life that are enshrined by society as important and worth celebrating. Usually they mark distinct transitional moments between one state and another. For example, birth, the transition to adulthood, decisions around life partnerships, having children, retirement, death, would be examples of cultural milestones from Western culture. Okay, hear me out. No, it's going to (laughs) just no. What if the lizard people weren't born with tails, but that their tails come in slightly later in life, and that's like a thing? No. (laughs) Okay. Ooh, I have an important question. It was worth a shot. Do do these lizard people uh, molt? You mean like shed skin? Yeah. Yeah. Since they are reptiles, I would assume that they did. 
It's a bit gross to think about, but that yeah, that makes sense. Because the first molting might be yeah, something yeah. a cultural. I, I, I could get behind that. What do you think, Riant? Are they are they are they hatched out of eggs? Yes. So their your first cultural milestone is they're hatching. Yeah, hatching, and then their first molt. I don't want to call it. it. The first shedding. Yeah, shedding sounds better. It I, I, yeah. still sounds bad, but shedding yeah. sounds better. I mean, all of this is placeholder language. Yeah, but I think also like subsequent sheddings would be like done in private. Like, like you, you, you get like, a, like a few. I don't know how long does it take for a snake to shed? I don't know, a few days, a few weeks. It can happen as fast or as slow as you want it to. For, like, say, a week or whatever, while they're shedding throughout their lives, if they shed, I don't know how many times, three, four, five, maybe it's like a, it, it's a period where, bigger. yeah, whenever they, they, they isolate and then maybe afterwards there's like a little bit of a celebration, like, this is the next chapter of your life kind of thing. It doesn't have to be anything major, maybe like a family dinner, you know, maybe you get a present, like a birthday. <laughs> No. <laughs> all right first shedding <laughs> um. we have the first shedding what would be uh what would represent the transition to adulthood well i mean my tail idea was vetoed so i got nothing else i mean it doesn't have to be physical it can be just societal for example in western societies graduation from high school is kind of like this mm. weird milestone that or secondary school. Well, they're, they're a guild state that values strength, right? Oh, maybe it's getting entrance into a guild. I was just about to say, like, receiving a badge or something like that. Like, they, like yeah, like, officially being accepted into the guild, which begs the question, do they stay in the guild that they were born into, or do they have the option to move guilds if they so choose? Oh my god, let's make it like Divergent. Yes, that's actually quite interesting. I like that. So they dynamic. have all the guilds, and then like their transition is when they can pick which one they want to go to. Yeah, I like that. Let's do that. Yeah, so maybe their transition is like they have, I don't know, however many guilds there are, they do that many trials, and then whichever one they like the best is the one that they go to. Yeah, okay. I like that. So that makes also sense because the different guilds would va- value different things. Mm-hmm. Um, in terms of yeah, so I think I like that idea a lot. So the choosing, yeah. the choosing of a guild that marks yes. a a big momentous occasion in yeah. the life of a Strass. Yes. Yes, 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 which of course now you know, I feel like I need to watch Divergent again. <laughs> yeah, no, me too. <laughs> which, which of course you know means that you're going to have some people in society for some reason that are guiltless. Yeah. Guildless. Oh, the guildless. These are your pariahs. And you can come up with all kinds of stuff around that. But that would be an Maybe. implication of this. Yeah. I, I think also, like Rianne said about criminals being tossed into the whirlpools. Maybe, like, the first thing is to be stripped of your guild membership. That is like a serious, like, thing. It's like you, you'd rather choose death, kind of thing. Or at the very least, is extremely shaming. Yeah. Mm. Yeah. Because then no one would want to talk to you. How does marriage and or an equivalent work? Or is there an equivalent? That's the question. Are they are they monogamous? 
I would Polyamorous. like to suggest that they can only partner with their own guild. Okay. Fair. Yeah. There we go. That that makes for some interesting Romeo Juliet situations and storytelling. That would be quite interesting because that makes sense. Because if they, you know, now, so about the unity, then mm-hmm. to have a partner in another guild, the other the partner would have to def- change. They would have to move guilds if that would be possible. Yeah, if that is possible. Which, seeing as it's such a big deal to choose a guild in the first place, maybe it's not possible. All right. Mm-hmm. So, so you're only allowed to partner with someone from your own guild. We've established that. Okay, so they would it... are monogamous? Question mark. Rian? You know I'm just going to make it easy for myself. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so they're monogamous, but what uh, is this partnering significant? Is this when they're gifted their bonds, magical bonsai tree? Yes. Yes. I would say so. Yeah, because that would be the start of their new household, wouldn't it? Especially if someone yeah. had, like, moved into a guild from somewhere else at their choosing ceremony, and then, yeah. like, because that would be completely new. Formation of a new household as the emphasis. Yes. Um, is there, are there any other steps that are celebrated? Maybe something to do with acquiring a weapon. Of or, or or of some sort, or maybe a graduation in some sort of training, or acquiring the master status within their guild. There we go. That could be something. I was going to say because weapons and stuff would depend on what type of guilds we're going to have. Yeah. So I like the master status better. Yeah. Okay. Let's do master status then. And this may be one of those optional milestones. That doesn't happen to everybody, but when it does happen, mm. it's worth celebrating kind of a thing. Yeah. Okay. And then Ooh. we've already kind of talked about death. Are there any other milestones in Astrasa's life? It's okay if you say no. I was going to say something similar to like a walkabout, like the way the Aborigines did, but I think we can save that for another culture. Okay. Very good. Ooh. And then last but not least, yearly rhythms. So... How is the year structured for the Strass? says a lot about a culture. American culture is largely New Year's, Valentine's Day, Easter, Fourth mm. of July, Thanksgiving, Halloween, or Halloween, Thanksgiving, Christmas, approximately, mm. as the yeah. cultural yearly rhythm. Doesn't have to be holiday centric, it can be more seasonal centric. I feel like there would be a period whether wherever it is in the year where like the whole painting of the caves is like a thing almost everybody goes and contributes to to the paintings and it's like almost like a festival where they all go and like people will travel back to where they they live to go and paint a little picture or whatever uh i'm not making this sound very nice what time of year i'm only laughing I'm only laughing because I love the fact that Donna went, let's have like a yearly painting session. And I, my, my brain instantly went to mating season. Maybe they're one and the same. Or not. Because one is yeah, celebrating think, Let's death. get freaky while we like paint some caves. <laughs> with our dead, <laughs> with our dead parents. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> Ew. <laughs> So maybe you're not saying that. gross, but you're we're the ones that said 
that inside the paint was the ashes of the dead uh, rocks. No, what if uh, what no. if the painting of the caves is their New Year's thing? Yeah, celebration okay. of the New Year. Okay, I think their New Year, given that the ashes thing with the paint, I feel like their New Year would be in autumn. So like, oh, okay, just before winter, because I feel like that kind of is cohesive. Okay. Painting of the caves happens in. Like autumn slash beginning of winter. Yep. And uh, what kind of marks out winter for them? What do they do during the winter? Oh, immediately wanted to say hibernate. Or do they just mm-hmm. live in the caves for winter? Yeah, retreat to the caves, maybe? What do you think, Rianne? Do they, do they live in the caves during winter? Yeah, that sounds like a good plan. Okay, cool. Mm. Painting with the ashes... And Although that would mean that they would have to be very trusting that nobody would invade them while they that were all tr- in the caves. I mean, I'm sure they would have come up with ways to defend themselves. Yeah. And the things that they left they behind. They do have many magical plants. Maybe they did something with the plants. But... Or maybe it's just like the older generation that goes into the caves. Mm. So if you're like oh, over there we a go. certain age, you retreat to the caves to hibernate. Because you're mm. old and you need mm. more sleep. Yes. <laughs> yeah, okay. So so the elderly retreat to the caves in winter. And so then the end of winter would be marked by them coming out of the caves. Yeah. Could be something that they they resist. Like you 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 don't look forward to the time where you have to go into the caves. You know, because it means now you're getting old. You, you know Maybe they useful. could have like a spring festival as well and been like, yeah, you survived. Mm-hmm. Congratulations. Yeah, yeah, that's a good one. Spring, spring. festival. Awesome. And what about summer? Maybe that's their mating season in spring. So you want to welcome back all the old people with an orgy? Hmm. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, I don't know if that's what mating season would look like in this culture. Yeah, no. Um, <laughs> Since they're monogamous. <laughs> I'm just, yeah. I'm just thinking that because, because like, being apart from someone for so long, it, it would make sense in, in a way. I don't know. Wait. Don't listen to me. <laughs> so they're waiting for the old people to get back because they want to hook up with the old people? Because <laughs> they miss them? Oh god. Uh, <laughs> Rihanna's dad on her keyboard. <laughs> I just don't even I have no words to express how I'm feeling right now. What if mating seasons in the summer? Okay, let's do that rather. <laughs> oh man. Okay, mating season is in the summer. What does that look like? I mean, don't I mean <laughs> That's not in what their I mean. private I mean, homes, don't make they me look up do the naughty, mating. and then at the end of the naughty, <laughs> the female produces a horde of eggs. Okay. Okay. Probably not a huge horde of eggs. No, Maybe but I was just, basically, you know, like like cats and dogs go on heat. That's basically what mating season would be. It's the optimal okay. time to have babies. Okay. okay. Got you. Got you. How many do they have at a time? How long do they live? I want to say that they live a really long time. Bear yeah. with me while I consult the Google. How long okay. are we talking? Were you just looking up how long lizards live? Pretty much. <laughs> not 
Not that. Not. I mean, depends on the lizard. <laughs> because we talked, we was talking about like the whole thing of unity, and I feel like they they would live a long. Yeah, I feel like they would live a long, long life. Uh, to Atara, a lizard-like reptile native to New Zealand, can live well over a hundred years. Yeah, the Argonians and Skyrim live between 150 and 250 years. But it also says that they are basically immortal until somebody kills them. Okay, well, since Austrites do have elderly folk in right. their society, I think it's safe to say that they they can die of old age. Yeah, I reckon like 100 years would be decent. Yeah, yeah, that's, that's decent, which means that they wouldn't have many young, maybe one or two at the most. And maybe they wouldn't, they would only breed once or twice in their lives well a quick google of how many eggs can a lizard lay a lot all right a a lot yeah yeah like the komodo dragon can do 20 the green iguana can do up to 71 but then they would get overpopulated really quickly right which is why i don't recommend going that route (laughs) unless you hit capped their lifespan at like 40 so we either go many young, shorter lives, or longer lives, less young. But just because, like, for example, let's say we say they lay 10 eggs every time. Not all 10 eggs might hatch. That's true. I like where this is going. This could be interesting. All right. Maybe this is why hatching is something that's worth celebrating. Yeah, so let's say one or two out of 10 eggs in a batch will hatch will have been successfully fertilized yes it would also be pretty common for bat- entire batches of eggs not to be fertilized yeah okay, oh that cool. would be really sad yes and maybe maybe it's like you know like chickens turn over the eggs maybe there's like a whole like process that they have to go through with this batch of eggs like they have to be turned and they have to you know be kept to a certain temperature or so after you lay them, you go, like, Sat we're not ready for to have days. kids. Let's just put the eggs out kind of a thing or have a fry tomorrow or something That's like hectic. that. <laughs> that is so hectic. I told you I didn't want kids. Pop those in the whirlpool, please. <laughs> well, you guys can work out the, uh, the, the specifics Brutal. of that. <laughs> But but maybe that's another taboo thing. Maybe because it's so difficult to get a fertilized egg, that that kind of just discarding your eggs and not taking care of them properly is like a it's like a big deal. Yeah, I think that's fair. I think that's pretty good for yearly rhythms. Unless you want something more in like late summer, like a big guild <laughs> festival or something like that. Career day. <laughs> or like a big competition. Rianne mentioned trials for membership for a guild. Yeah. So the guild trials, late summer. Yeah, I'd say late summer. Look at yeah. that. This is shaping up to be a very interesting culture. Yeah, I like um, I like them a lot already. And that's all we can do this time. Uh, next time, yes. we're going to be diving into cultural stories, religion, yes. and education. So that'll be really fun. How are you guys yes. feeling about, about the SRAS? I'm liking them. I'm, I'm liking them quite a bit, to be honest. I enjoy, I enjoy this, this culture. So your homework is to do this for your other cultures. Okay, so just just the art and the customs. Yep. I think that does it. So thank you, Andrew, for being with us again today. Thank you, Rianne, for 
being the voice of reason <laughs> and simplicity while I mean I, I am and I worried for away. your world it's not that bad you'll see you'll see it's not that bad uh, um listen remember that this is off the cuff and when I'm working on my own stuff I consider things a lot more carefully <laughs> <laughs> That sounds awful, but like a, I a don't know spiral. whether to be offended by that or not. Okay, you know what? I'm tired. <laughs> I love you, Rianne. Love you lots, and mm. I'm not trying to offend you. But thank you, Andrew, so much for being with us. Thank you, listeners, for listening to the chaos that is this mini series, and we will see you back here again next time. Bye-bye. Bye bye. Bye.